Chapter Eleven of Characters of Shakespeare's Plays by William Hazlitt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Tempest. There can be little doubt that Shakespeare was the most universal genius that ever lived. Quote, either for tragedy, comedy, history, pastoral, pastoral comical, historical pastoral, scene individual or poem unlimited, he is the only man. Seneca cannot be too heavy, nor Plautus too light for him. He has not only the same absolute command over our laughter and our tears, all the resources of passion, of wit, of thought, of observation, but he has the most unbounded range of fanciful invention, whether terrible or playful, the same insight into the world of imagination that he has into the world of reality. And over all there presides the same truth of character and nature, and the same spirit of humanity, his ideal beings are as true and natural as his real characters, that is, as consistent with themselves, or if we suppose such beings to exist at all, they could not act, speak, or feel otherwise than as he makes them. He has invented for them a language, manners, and sentiments of their own, from the tremendous imprecations of the witches in Macbeth, when they do a, quote, deed without a name, to the sylph-like expressions of Ariel, who does his spiriting gently, the mischievous tricks and gossiping of robin goodfellow or the uncouth gabbling and emphatic gesticulations of caliban in this play the tempest is one of the most original and perfect of shakespeare's productions and he has shown in it all the variety of his powers it is full of grace and grandeur the human and imaginary characters the dramatic and the grotesque are blended together with the greatest art and without any appearance of it though he has here given to quote, airy nothing a local habitation and a name yet that part which is only the fantastic creation of his mind has the same palpable texture and coheres semblably with the rest as the preternatural part has the air of reality and almost haunts the imagination with the sense of truth the real characters and events partake of the wildness of a dream the stately magician prospero driven from his dukedom but around whom so potent is his art airy spirits throng numberless to do his bidding his daughter miranda quote, worthy of that name to whom all the power of his art points and who seems the goddess of the isle the princely ferdinand cast by fate upon the haven of his happiness in this idol of his love the delicate ariel the savage caliban half brute half demon the drunken ship's crew all are connected parts of the story and can hardly be spared from the place they fill even the local scenery is of a piece and character with the subject prospero's enchanted island seems to have risen up out of the sea the airy music the tempest-tossed vessel the turbulent waves all have the effect of the landscape background of some fine picture shakespeare's pencil is to use an illusion of his own Quote, like the dyer's hand subdued to what it works in everything in him though it partakes of the liberty of wit is also subjected to the law of the understanding for instance even the drunken sailors who are made reeling ripe share in the disorder of their minds and bodies in the tumult of the elements and seem on shore to be as much at the mercy of chance as they were before at the mercy of the winds and waves these fellows with their sea-wit are the least to our taste of any part of the play, but they are as like drunken sailors as they can be, and are an indirect foil to Caliban, 
whose figure acquires a classical dignity in the comparison the character of caliban is generally thought and justly so to be one of the author's masterpieces it is not indeed pleasant to see this character on the stage any more than it is to see the god pan personated there but in itself it is one of the wildest and most abstracted of all shakespeare's characters whose deformity whether of body or mind is redeemed by the power and truth of the imagination displayed in it it is the essence of grossness but there is not a particle of vulgarity in it shakespeare has described the brutal mind of caliban in contact with the pure and original forms of nature the character grows out of the soil where it is rooted uncontrolled uncouth and wild uncramped by any of the meannesses of custom it is quote, of the earth earthy it seems almost to have been dug out of the ground with a soul instinctively superadded to it answering to its wants and origin vulgarity is not natural coarseness but conventional coarseness learnt from others contrary to or without an entire conformity of natural power and disposition as fashion is the commonplace affectation of what is elegant and refined without any feeling of the essence of it schlegel the admirable german critic on shakespeare observes that caliban is a poetical character and quote, always speaks in blank verse he first comes in thus caliban as wicked dew as e'er my mother brushed with raven's feather from unwholesome fen drop on you both south-west blow on ye and blister you all o'er prospero for this be sure to-night thou shalt have cramps side stitches that shall pen thy breath up urchins shall for that vest of night that they may work all exercise on thee thou shalt be pinched as thick as honeycombs each pinch more stinging than the bees that made em i must eat my dinner this island's mine by sycorax my mother which thou takes from me when thou camest first thou strokest me and madest much of me wouldst give me water with berries in it and teach me how to name the bigger light and how the less that burn by day and night and then i loved thee and showed thee all the qualities of the isle the fresh springs brine pits barren place and fertile cursed be that i did so all the charms of sycorax toads beetles bats light on you for i am all the subjects that you have who first was mine own king and here you sty me in this hard rock whilst you do keep from me the rest of the island and again he promises trinculo his services thus if you will free him from his drudgery i'll show thee the best springs i'll pluck thee berries i'll fish for thee and get thee wood enough i prithee let me bring thee where crabs grow and i with my long nails will dig thee pig-nuts show thee a jay's nest and instruct thee how to snare the nimble marmots i'll bring thee to clustering filberts and sometimes i'll get thee young scammels from the rock in conducting stefano and trinculo to prospero's cell caliban shows the superiority of natural capacity over greater knowledge and greater folly and in a former scene when ariel frightens them with his music 
Caliban, to encourage them, encounts for it in the eloquent poetry of the senses. Be not afraid. The isle is full of noises, sounds and sweet airs that give delight and hurt not. Sometimes a thousand twanging instruments will hum about mine ears, and sometimes voices that if I then had waked after long sleep would make me sleep again, and then in dreaming the clouds methought would open and show riches ready to drop upon me when i waked i cried to dream again this is not more beautiful than it is true the poet here shows us the savage with the simplicity of a child and makes the strange monster amiable shakespeare had to paint the human animal rude and without choice in its pleasures but not without the sense of pleasure or some germ of the affections master barnardine in measure for measure the savage of civilized life is an admirable philosophical counterpart to Caliban. Shakespeare has, as it were by design, drawn off from Caliban the elements of whatever is ethereal and refined, to compound them in the unearthly mould of Ariel. Nothing was ever more finely conceived than this contrast between the material and the spiritual, the gross and delicate. Ariel is imaginary power, the swiftness of thought personified, when told to make good speed by Prospero, he says, I drink the air before me. This is something like Puck's boast on a similar occasion. I'll put a girdle round the earth in forty minutes. But Ariel differs from Puck in having a fellow feeling in the interests of those he is employed about. How exquisite is the following dialogue between him and Prospero. Ariel, your charm so strongly worksome, that if you now beheld them, your affections would become tender. Prospero, dost thou think so, spirit? Ariel, mine would, sir, were I human. Prospero, and mine shall. Hast thou, which art but air, a touch, a feeling of their afflictions, and shall not myself, one of their kind, that relish all as sharply, passioned as they, be kindlier moved than thou art? It has been observed that there is a peculiar charm in the songs introduced in Shakespeare, which, without conveying any distinct images, seem to recall all the feelings connected with them, like snatches of half-forgotten music heard indistinctly and at intervals. There is this effect produced by Ariel's songs, which, as we are told, seem to sound in the air, and as if the person playing them were invisible. We shall give one instance out of many of this general power. Enter Ferdinand and Ariel invisible, playing and singing. Ariel's Song Come unto these yellow sands and mendic hands, curtsied when you have and kissed the wild waves whist, footed featly here and there, and sweet sprites the burden bear. Bow wow, bow wow, hark hark, bow wow, the watch dogs bark. Ariel. Hark, hark, I hear the strain of strutting chanticleer cry, cock-a-doodle-doo. Ferdinand. Where should this music be, in air or earth? It sounds no more, and sure it waits upon some god of the island, sitting on a bank, weeping against the king my father's wreck. 
this music crept by me upon the waters allaying both their fury and my passion with its sweet air thence i have followed it or it hath drawn me rather but tis gone no it begins again father lies of his bones a coral made those are pearls that were his eyes nothing of him that doth fade but doth suffer a sea change into something rich and strange seeing them sourly ring his knell now i hear them ding dong bell the ditty does remember my drowned father this is no mortal business nor no sound that the earth owns i hear it now above me the courtship between ferdinand and miranda is one of the chief beauties of this play it is the very purity of love the pretended interference of prospero with it heightens its interest and is in character with the magician whose sense of preternatural power makes him arbitrary touchy and impatient of opposition the tempest is a finer play than the midsummer night's dream which has sometimes been compared with it but it is not so fine a poem there are a greater number of beautiful passages in the latter two of the most striking in the tempest are spoken by prospero the one is that admirable one when the vision which he has conjured up disappears beginning the cloud-capped towers the gorgeous palaces and etc which has so often been quoted that every schoolboy knows it by heart the other is that which prospero makes in abjuring his art the elves of hills brooks standing lakes and groves and ye that on the sands with printless foot do chase the ebbing neptune and do fly him when he comes back you demi-puppets that by moonshine do the green sour ringlets make whereof the you not bites and you whose pastime is to make midnight mushrooms that rejoice to hear the solemn curfew by whose aid weak masters though ye be i have bedimmed the noontide sun called forth the mutinous winds and twixt the green sea and the azure vaults set roaring war to the dread rattling thunder have i given fire and rifted jove's stout oak with his own bolt the strong-based promontory have i made shake and by the spurs plucked up the pine and cedar graves at my command have waked their sleepers oped and led em forth by my so potent art but this rough magic i hear abjure and when i have required some heavenly music which even now i do to work mine end upon their senses that this airy charm is for i'll break my staff bury it certain fathoms in the earth and deeper than did ever plummet sound i'll drown my book we must not forget to mention among other things in this play that shakespeare has anticipated nearly all the arguments on the utopian schemes of modern philosophy gonzalo had i the plantation of this isle my lord antonio he'd sow it with nettle seed sebastian or docks or mallows gonzalo and ere the king on't what would i do sebastian 
escape being drunk or want of wine gonzalo in the commonwealth i would by contraries execute all things for no kind of traffic would i admit no name of magistrate letters should not be known wealth poverty and use of service none contract succession born bound of land tilth vineyard none no use of metal corn or wine or oil no occupation all men idle all and women too but innocent and pure no sovereignty sebastian and yet he would be king on it antonio the latter end of his commonwealth forgets the beginning gonzalo all things in common nature should produce without sweat or endeavour treason felony sword pike knife gun or need of any engine would i not have but nature should bring forth of its own kind all foison all abundance to feed my innocent people sebastian no marrying among his subjects antonio none man all idle whores and knaves gonzalo i would with such perfection govern sir to excel the golden age sebastian save his majesty End of chapter 11